Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, back with you. A 110 to 107 loss to the Brooklyn Nets. Alex, you were there. We're going to get into all of it. Yeah, it was uh, certainly something to be in Barclays Center for this game. Late game execution kills the Knicks once again. And it's just super frustrating still, regardless of what we want to happen with the season. We're going to talk about that. Some good days for R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle otherwise, and a bunch of other stuff next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. If you didn't know, you really should know at this point. We say at the start of every episode. But if you're new, or if you just don't listen too closely, we are on YouTube. So please go check us out on YouTube. Throw us a subscription. Throw us a like. Throw us a dislike. Throw us a comment. We don't really care if it's positive or negative. We just need that interaction. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster heading to upstate New York to broadcast the uh, New York State basketball playoffs this weekend. Maybe we'll see some future Knicks there. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the greatest Knicks website out there, the Strickland. And, yeah, this is Locked On Knicks. The Knicks fall in what was a, a really fun game, felt felt a little bit earlier with the clock moving up, a 110-107 win over the Brooklyn Nets. I have a ton of thoughts, but, Alex, you were there. I want to start off with that. Uh, what was it like? Um interesting uh <laughs> so first i'll shout out the i saw i got recognized in the wild which i i understand has happened to both of us in the last week which is pretty cool um i was walking down the the corridors which i swear are more narrow in barclays center like getting around throughout the concourse and whatever and uh you know it's sort of a cattle drive like two sides going one way or another and someone that was walking by on the other side was just like Hey, are you Alex from from like Locked On Knicks on YouTube? And I was like, yeah. And we like fist bumped, and then I never saw him again. I'm really sorry, dude. I didn't catch your name or anything. If you're having to be watching this, feel free to like comment and say hello. Um, but yeah, that it, it, it was Quinn Grimes. It was Quinn. Yeah, it was Quinn Grimes. Uh, no, I, I was looking. At, I wasn't looking up at the person to be fair. <laughs> Not to say that the guy was short, but he wasn't Quinn Grimes tall. Sure. Um, anyway, yeah, the game in person was interesting. Um, I was telling you before we started recording, like the. The atmosphere in Barclays was weird to me. I'm not used to being in a stadium that's like basically 50-50. So I felt like at least in my section, nobody was really making noise one way or the other. Like, I don't know. It was just bizarre because it was like, you know, Knicks fans, you don't know like if you have enough support in your section to like start a chant or something. So like Knicks fans weren't being particularly rowdy. Nets fans just were not really rowdy in my section at all. And I was just like, this is bizarre (laughs) but otherwise the game itself i mean yeah it was fun um i'll say this much my one thing you know obviously when you go to a game you always want to see the team win my biggest thing was i i kind of wish that the knicks had just like lost by 10 you know that this had just slipped out of their grip um 
you know, late in the fourth quarter and, you know, maybe Durant rattles off like eight straight points or something with two minutes to go. And then bing, bang, boom, it's all done because no matter how prepared I am for losses and how like desensitized and numb I am to like all these heartbreakers this season, it still was really annoying to see the Knicks basically like poop away a potential win here. And, you know, have this like golden opportunity with 12 seconds left to have a hero moment for someone. And instead, you know, the design play, as Tibbs said after the game, was to throw the ball to Evan Fournier in the corner, who of course got doubled because why would he not? He's in the corner. You have he literally they could form a box around him, as Clyde always says, the sideline is like an extra man. Two sidelines right there, plus Kyrie Irving sitting right behind him. That's like another <laughs> defender. Yeah. And you know, Two other guys coming in on him. I mean, it was just terrible execution. And, you know, I was screaming from my seat. Uh, luckily, I was in a mostly adult section, so I let a few four-letter favorites fly. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was no fun, man. But how was, how was it for you from the comfort of your home? <laughs> um, I came out of this game weirdly optimistic. I just saw Ian Begley tweeting out a video talking about him, like what, what a disappointment it was for the Knicks to go from, like, the four seed to now, like, I mean, we, it was, this was true after the all-star break. It's still true, like essentially eliminated from the playoffs. And I don't know. That's not, um, that's not really my takeaway from the last four games. I'm not saying that's Ian's primary takeaway either, but to me, like I come out of this game, I come out of this recent stretch, like just pretty darn optimistic about the future of Nick's basketball. Like I, I was saying to you before we started recording, like I just see these little flashes from the young guys that make me think we have essentially last season's team exists on this roster just one with more talent and more upside like that, that defensive possession in the second quarter. I mean, this was, this was the sequence of the game to me uh, where Emmanuel quickly and Jericho Sims doubled Bruce Brown in the corner. And then there was, or, or Deuce might've been involved as well. And then um, quickly, like just using his wingspan deflected the pass. And then Sims just recovered under the rim and ended up blocking Nick Claxton. And it was just little plays like that. And there've just been so many of them over the last five games where these guys are just flying and, and just basically playing suffocating, suffocating defense. And then on offense, I mean, just, just the juice that – I don't know about you, but do, do you feel like Emmanuel quickly has just gotten faster over the last 10 games? Maybe it's just a little bit of confidence, but it seems like he's almost found a new gear as a player. Um, I, yeah, it yeah. seems like he's playing faster, if nothing else. Yeah. I'll say that much. Yeah. Uh, my point is, like, there's, there's just, like, this competitive, athletic, savvy – team in there maybe even more so defensively than offensively at this point but you mix that in with rj making a leap with julius who i mean he had his he had some real issues in this game but he also he, he looked mostly on offense like julius of last year um you combine that with, with those two playing like stars when Fournier's hitting some shots uh mitch was a mixed bag today but again jericho looks like he, he's a legitimate two-way nba center um to me at least like there's an outline of a team that should be pretty darn good or at the very least like they were last year a pain in the ass to play every single night you mix in Quentin Grimes when he comes back I mean the the spacing and offense another just elite elite defender uh Cam Reddish who I think projects as someone who can be fantastic defensively and give you some of that juice offensively that maybe some of those other guys lack like I come I'm, I'm coming at this almost no matter how the season ends I'm super excited for next year even if the Knicks don't add an impact rookie or don't add a fantastic free agent I think there's a world where next season is much closer to two years ago and we get a really fun team, maybe one with a very capped upside, but we get a really fun team. Yeah. I think that, you know, my overall takeaway, despite the disappointment, you know, obviously yeah. the, the end of the game, 
you know, it deflates you. It's like, it's like, you know, I was a balloon that was, you know, held together just by a couple fingers and then someone let it go. And I just went, you know, but uh, all in all, like, yeah, my overall feeling after this road trip is that of optimism. Like every single game on this road trip, they led by double digits at some point, you know, or especially in the losses, every single one of them, they led by double digits. And it makes it that much more disappointing that they let go the rope and, and lost those, you know, those uh leads there but the fact of the matter was was that they they made those leads to begin with and that was by you know especially when they're playing their younger lineups they're you know generating a lot of pressure on opposing teams on defense and on offense they're at their best when they're just running and running and running and you know like trying to generate offense quickly rather than you know the the slow it down bog down stuff that seems to be Tibbs's favorite late in the game and, you know, it, it sort of just comes down to, like, with a few execution tweaks here and there, which hopefully will come with a new coach, then, you know, this team has the potential to make a make a jump where, you know, you just get a coach in there that's a little more willing to experiment and take advantage of the many, many talents that the players on this team have. And, you know, we might be looking at a team that, like you said, maybe doesn't make a huge leap next year or something, but can at least get, you know, back in the realm of the – you know, the team that the Knicks had last year with some more versatility because, you know, pretty much all the guys that they have on the roster currently have, you know, at least over the guys that they replaced from last year have more varied skill sets, you know, like a Grimes versus a Reggie Bullock where Grimes can actually put the ball on the floor a little bit and, you know, can can do way more whilst not losing anything on the defensive end or on the three-point shooting. Um, you know, Reddish is this sort of long athlete that, the Knicks just have not had like ever, you know, they, they just, they haven't had that type of player in, in a really long time, at least not one that young with that much potential. So I, I, and to say nothing of Obi, who I thought had a really fantastic game today too, like, and was another Tibbs victim, unfortunately, like, you know, strung together a great sequence and then clangs the three off the side of the backboard, you know, a corner three at one point and gets pulled three seconds later. Uh, it, it, which was just sort of frustrating in its own regard. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I like the outline of what the Knicks are building right now. I like, in general, what they've been doing over the last, you know, seven games, or even you could say like a month, maybe. Um, maybe not quite that much, but ever since, you know, Sims and McBride and those guys have sort of found their way into the rotation, I've found what the Knicks are doing to be a lot more promising and, and definitely feel like there's a good amount of talent on this team that just needs a coach that can help them learn to execute better in late game scenarios and have a better idea of what to do uh, going down the stretch of fourth quarters. And then of course, like critical late game situations, but. Um, or, or I was going to say, or maybe they just need some bill bars. Maybe they just need some built bars. That is true. Well, we're going to talk more about some of the good performances, like from RJ Barrett and Julius Randle in a second, but it's, it's built bar time. And, you know, this time of year, it's, you know, middle of March. A lot of you probably are like New Year's resolution. What's that? Well, I've still been sticking with mine. I've been eating plenty of built bars. I forgot to grab my prop built bar here. Split out uh, on YouTube. You can specifically see a built bar here, but they're fantastic. They are way better than a candy bar, even though they look just like one. And they're still covered in chocolate, which is what you love out of your favorite candy bars. But on the inside, they are not featuring, you know, fatty and sugary nougat and caramel and all those other various things that other uh, candy bars have. They have 
protein, lots of protein, but it doesn't taste like pure protein powder, like some of those other protein bars you've ever had. In fact, there are some other Built Bars called Built Puffs, which are a protein-infused marshmallow. And I'm not kidding you, it really tastes like you're eating a marshmallow covered in chocolate, and in some cases flavored, such as my favorite, cinnamony churro, or coconut marshmallow. So many good flavors, all covered in chocolate, and it tastes just like you're eating a big old marshmallow in your hands. Of course, also, Built Bars are uh, covered in 100% real chocolate. It's really good. I mean, I don't know. I, I could be fooled into thinking that I was just eating a candy bar. Uh, but instead, it's this wonderful protein experience. And at Built Bar, they are all about taste. So they make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pretty much pull that off every single time. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Gavin. Uh, so to move to our next segment here, I mean, you alluded to it like I thought Randall and RJ both really had some moments in this game. So did Fournier, to be fair. You know, I don't want to like totally crap on him for messing up that late game play because I don't even think it was his fault necessarily. I think he was putting in an extremely bad situation there to close the game. But I mean, he had a great game too: 25 points, 9 of 13 shooting, 5 of 8 from deep. Uh, Randall also had 26 points on 9 to 17 shooting. RJ had 24 on 8 of 21, which is not the best line in the world, but still is. I think his performance was a little better than the, the shooting line would indicate. But Gavin, uh, I'll throw it to you. Where do you want to go as far as uh, picking out a positive to highlight from this game? Yeah, I, w- I want to start with RJ because I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. I, th- I thought he played a, a pretty awesome game. For the most part, and and honestly, one of the next biggest issues in the third quarter where the Nets came back and ended up taking, I think, either a double-digit lead or at the very least an eight-point lead, is RJ only took one shot the whole the whole third quarter. And that, I think, killed a lot of Knicks' momentum, despite the fact that, to your point, he wasn't super-duper efficient. Um, but I love the pace that he continues to play with, and it it makes for just more entertaining basketball, to your point. Um, like him and IQ together, like when IQ was, was just like – he just like put the nozzle down and he set up RJ for a dunk. Um, he just had some awesome, awesome passes in this game. Like he had this uh, like baseline drive and through like kind of this like little like looping hook pass as he was falling out of bounds to Mitch who, who nearly got a dunk, but ended up drawing the foul. Um, he had a really good like cross court swing to Randall, which like was something that stood out to me early in the game was that Randall and RJ felt like they were sort of icing each other out a little bit and just like your turn, my turn. But then on this play, RJ really unselfish, throws a cross court to Randall. Uh, defense has to like scramble to recover because it was such a quick pass. Swing, swing sequence gets back to RJ. He he nails the three. And, and that's sort of the mantra of all the best teams in the NBA, right? Like give it up, you'll get it back, you'll get a good shot. Um, had another one where he drove middle and then did sort of a Julius style, like spin around in midair and throw it back. I don't think that's a pass he's really had in his bag in the past. So that was really encouraging. And it was just it was just about the number of paint touches he got. Like he scored with so much variety. He had like a little pump fake and layover Drummond in transition. Like he, he beat Drummond to the rim off a little curl. He had what's quickly becoming one of his signature shots: a little stop, reverse pivot, fadeaway. That's kind of Kobe esque. Um, on and on and on and on. The point is, he just lives at the rim at this point. And and, and even when he's inefficient, I think it, it changes the Knicks' lives offensively to have someone who can just constantly get to the basket. Yeah, and on top of it, you know, generating free throws too. He's gotten really good at that. And I thought 
I mean, he was seven of eight from the free throw line in this game. Kind of hilariously, he tried to miss one on the the final trip to the line and swished it perfectly. So I guess RJ should just always try to miss his free throws and that'll solve all of his woes. Um, But like he got eight attempts from the line. I realistically thought that he could have had 12 or 14 even if things were called a little better. I mean, he was he was generating a lot of contact around the rim and it was not getting a ton of calls, at least not in my opinion. Um, and it was, it, you know, that's just going to be the struggles of being a, a burgeoning young star instead of an actual, you know, full fledged star is that you don't get those calls just yet. But it's I think it really bodes well for the future for him that, you know, even against one of the best teams in the NBA in the Nets, you know, regardless of what their record says, like. When they're at full strength, they're one of the best teams in the NBA. And he, you know, is able to still generate those sort of opportunities against them, still draw fouls, and still be effective even on a day when he shoots 8 of 21. Um, just like everything, I mean, I think that this is all boding really well for him and his development. And I think that, you know, on top of that, he also had some good defensive sequences in this. Like, he generated a few steals at really crucial moments. Uh, to give the Knicks, you know, fast break opportunities and help narrow the deficit some. Uh, he took on the the challenge of guarding Kevin Durant down the stretch, which I thought was awesome. You know, I know that nobody can really guard Kevin Durant down the stretch when he's really feeling it. And the Knicks were doing their, I mean, look, if you, I'll crap on tips for the bad stuff. One really good adjustment was deciding to double Kevin Durant pretty much every possession down the stretch like aggressive, hard closeout doubles because the rest of the Nets weren't really doing much. Uh, so, you know, it, I think that he was, you know, RJ's impact was not quite as huge because he was getting helped a lot on defense by his teammates that were doing those aggressive doubles. But I really admire the fact that RJ wanted to take that challenge, just like he's he's done against a lot of the best players on opposing teams recently uh, and decided to guard Durant down the stretch. And I thought he did, for what it was worth, a, a fairly admirable job. Um, you know, down it, there's only so much you can do against Durant, who just you know, in scoring over 50 points for I think they said it was like the eighth time in his career in this game. Um, just you know, basically was able to shoot over whoever he wanted because nobody can can touch that shot because when you're seven feet tall and you have super long arms, you can kind of just shoot wherever you want and never get bothered. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that from RJ, too. But it was it was a great RJ game. I'm in full agreement. Um, and I think that it goes – I mean, the stats are pretty good on the surface, but I think that his impact even went beyond the stats uh, and, and went quite a bit deeper in this game. And had they featured him more, I think they maybe would have had a better chance of winning the game, too. Yeah, I'm 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 100 with you. Uh, I want to I want to circle back to Randall because I thought offensively again he did some great stuff in this game. But I want to I want to go to or you know what I want to talk about Randall in conjunction with Emmanuel quickly because there was I, I keep referencing this, but I think those two are so good for each other because the biggest weakness of IQ's game right now is that he's just he's not a fulcrum, right? Like he's not going to create off the dribble from a standstill and and necessarily get great looks for himself or other people. Like he needs a screen. He needs motion. He needs, frankly, someone to take attention away from him. And Randall, the biggest thing Randall needs is some pace and some verb and, and someone to, to his game and someone to generate spacing around him. And that's exactly what Quickly uh, provides. And I thought there was this, this great little um, two-man play. Uh, I think I want to say it was in the second quarter um, between those two guys. Uh, where it was a little dribble handoff between Randall to Emmanuel quickly. 
Um, and then IQ drew two defenders off of it. Um, like Katie went with him, tossed it back to Randall, and then Randall just hard attack to the rim for a layup. And, and that was a big theme with Randall. Like he, he started off like settling and taking bad shots, and then like second quarter buckled down. I got to the rim again and again, again, like shot of the game was like, I'm sure you noticed this one went across the lane and just hit like a one footed or one handed banker over KD. That was just dirty. Had another one with like a little Euro around the basket. But I think it's a, it's one of the great travesties of the season that quickly as bad as he was for just a long time, just didn't get more court time with Randall and RJ, because I think we're seeing now that those groupings can be so effective together. And on a night where quickly, didn't shoot that well. Once again, I thought he made a really, really impressive impact in this game, not just defensively, but offensively, just because he makes life so much easier. And I think he facilitates someone like Randall having an efficient scoring night. Yeah, I think uh, I think maybe there's even more of a case to be made lately for quickly starting. But Gavin, if people wanted to perhaps find a line on Emmanuel quickly starting a game, uh, is there anywhere that they can look to bet on that? Probably... It's going to be like on The Office. If anyone gives you 10,000 to 1 odds on anything, you take it. You could probably get a 10,000 to 1 odds on quickly starting. I, I was going to say, in good conscience, I can't recommend anyone uh, <laughs> putting their money. People people have families to feed Alex. But uh, bet online uh, if, if, if you want to do that. It's, it's a great place to maybe make some money. It's that time of year again. It's college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, Bet Online is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Alex, I'll, I'll, I'll toss the rock back over to you. Uh, who who else stood out to you in this game? Well, I was actually going to revisit what you just said about quickly. I mean, yeah. I, I, I agree. I think that his impact is going so much further than just, you know, shooting at this point. And it's sort of the same with Deuce, too, right? Like, I was – my one friend I was at the game with today, I was kind of saying to him, like, you know, I think that Deuce is almost having the same type of effect that quickly was earlier in the season right now where, you know, the shooting isn't always there, but I think that he positively impacts what's going on because he moves the ball and he plays defense. Right. And that's the same thing with quickly, you know, in this game, he shot two of 10 and Oh, five from three. I mean, honestly, I was surprised to even look at the box score and see he had even taken five threes. Cause it really felt sort of like the other day where it felt like he just wasn't really looking for that as much. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, six points, seven boards, four assists, but like his impact went so much further because he's the one constantly trying to push the pace. To your point, he makes Julius and RJ's lives so much easier because he's another guy that can break down the defense and actually looks for kickouts. He's also not a negative on defense at all. He's a resounding positive. He's like all over the place on defense. You mentioned that amazing sequence with him and Sims, which I'm sure we'll get to Sims in just a moment as well. But, you know, I, I think in this game too, it's just, it was so apparent that it's just, it's time to start trying to explore the best combination on this team more and stop with this Burks nonsense. Like, I just don't understand how Tibbs can realistically say like, I just go with what, what looks the best and what's going to give us the best chance to win. And then can watch Burks go out there night after night and just like, constantly run you know they're constantly running these pick and rolls with julius like over and over and it's like pick and roll with julius and burks and then you try to generate the mismatch and they give it to julius 
really screws up with it. Or, you know, Burks tries to take it to the hoop and go figure the guy that shoots 30% at the rim misses the shot at the rim and nothing becomes the possession and you're wasting like all this potential for what could be if you had quickly and Randall doing the same things or RJ and Randall doing the same things. And no matter what, you could have any combo of those three guys doing things together and have another one of them off ball ready to receive a pass. And all of them are great spot up shooters too. I just, I, I don't for the life of me understand why the Burks experiment continues with him at point guard. And this game was just another, you know, in a, in a long list of, of chapters of like the, why Alec Burks isn't a point guard story. And, you know, I, I feel bad for Burks in a way because I think he's being entrusted to do way too much or, you know, having it foist upon him to do way too much. And I'm sure that if you, you know, gun to his head and if you, with true serum, if you said like, what would you rather be doing right now? He'd be like, I'd rather be doing what I've done my whole career, which is play off the ball and shoot three pointers and like play defense. And like, that's what I really want to do. And occasionally break someone down off the dribble for like a, a step back three or something like that's it. That's what Burke should be doing. And instead he's just being asked to do so much more and it has ripple effects because then, you know, you wind up wasting some clock and then you give it to Julius. And then by the time Julius is done assessing the situation, then there's not enough time to really do anything else. And the team just runs so much better when they've got guys that are more decisive out there and just better at handling the responsibilities of a point guard. Now that's not to even say that I wouldn't support Burks being out there with a lineup, but there were so many times in this game where quickly was even out there and, you know, in my head and sometimes out loud, I kept saying like, give it to quickly, like let him bring it down the floor. And Burke still just brought it down the floor. And I just, it, it defies logic at this point, but that's sort of just the Tibbs experience of this year. And again, it all just, <laughs> we're going to be set. I feel like I'm going to say this 10,000 times before the end of the season, but like when the Knicks get a new coach, hopefully it's a when, not an if statement, you know, when the Knicks get a new coach, hopefully some of these things will start going away because I, I just, I grow tired of, you know, us always talking about what could be rather than what is when what could be, could be what is with just, one or two simple simple tweaks by Tibbs to you know do the logical thing down the stretch of a lost season. Yeah, what what could be could be what is is, is, is some real philosophy there, Alex. That's <laughs> that's a book. That's a book, some, that's a book about this this season with the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> the twenty twenty two Knicks. What could be could be. I, I lost it. Is <laughs> anywho, uh, maybe maybe it's best that no one writes a book about this. when what could be can be what is. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> the twenty twenty two. Yeah, let's let's next time we have Chris Herring on, I want you to pitch that as his next okay. uh, next project. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, on a more optimistic note. Uh, what, what what could be with Jericho Sims is is pretty good. Uh, he I thought he was uh, spectacular in in his minutes in this game, and I'll, I'll let you touch on the fact that uh, it was a, it was a moment when he was taken out when he shouldn't be. But to Tips' credit. Played him down the stretch, and man, oh man, um, I think there's some there's some real magic. Um, I know I, this is something I already touched on, but with IQ, Deuce, and Sims on the floor, just because those two are like piranhas, and then Sims's ability, as as you referenced on some of those doubles with KD, but even even with with quickly earlier in the game to hedge out and then recover under the basket is certainly not unique in the NBA. There are guys who can do that, but it's rare. Like those, that, that's how you end up paying a center like fifteen to twenty million dollars, and that's that was sort of my my vision with Mitchell Robinson. And I think the version of Mitch that he's grown into, which does some great stuff. I mean, Mitch, if we don't get to, he swatted the Kevin Durant jumper this game, which to your point is, is essentially impossible, but 
Um, when I was talking about Mitch last year and I was making the case like, all right, this guy, like the reason you pay this guy is because he is the rare center who can stay on the floor in the later rounds of the playoffs, right? That, that's, that's the whole premise of DeAndre Aiden. I'm, I'm starting to think someone like Sims, and this is it's still way too early to say this, but with the flashes that he shows is maybe that guy even more so than Mitch because Mitch sometimes like, like the space, the ability for him to defend in space is more so theoretical because Tibbs always parks him near the rim. And I don't know if Mitch can do that and Tibbs just doesn't let him. But I think it's fascinating that with Sims, Tibbs does let him do some of that stuff. And he looks great doing it. And, and you combine that with, with the verticality. And I said that on, on that play um, with 90 seconds left where he doubles Kevin Durant, recovers under the rim, like initially is like sort of hedging towards the left side of the paint. James Johnson drives right. He slides his feet to get in a perfect position, goes straight up and down, completely alters the shot. Like it, it, it's nowhere even close to the rim. And I, it clicked in my head for a moment. I don't think I've ever seen Mitchell Robinson do that. And Mitchell Robinson's a great shot blocker, but he doesn't really have that element of his game where like he'll alter shots, but he'll alter shots because he's, he's reaching over from four feet away and, and getting a hand in your face. Sims going straight up and down. He has this, like, he, he's, he's not even as big as Mitch, but he's so compact. Like he can take body shots and he's willing to take body shots, which I think is maybe the biggest thing. And with how brittle Mitch is, maybe, maybe he avoids that to some extent. All that is to say, I'm a big fan of Jericho Sims, Alex. I'm a big fan of how he did in this game. And I think defensively, like, like there's there's just a bench unit next year that's essentially this season's or last season's summer league team where it's quickly Deuce, Grimes, and Jericho. And I, I think you throw Derek Rose in there. I just I, I think they're to just lock people down, and I think they'll find a way to make it work on offense. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to your point, I think the, the right word was, like, piranhas, you know, yeah. like – they're just swarming, you know, it's, it's just what they do. They just don't want to let anything go uncontested and they're perfectly willing to, you know, so many, so many of the plays that, you know, we could complain about with Julius this year with lack of effort and stuff. It's because he, he, you know, tries to react to a play going one way and then all of a sudden it goes the other way. And then you see him just kind of uh, resign himself to, well, didn't go my way this time. With those guys, it's just that that never happens. You know, it's like if the play starts going the way that they think, then they're there for it. But then if it changes direction, they're all just like, like right back the other way. It's like a, a I don't know, like a like a dog playing fetch. You know, going after the ball. You know, they're just like ready to to follow the ball wherever it goes and always contest every shot, no matter what. And it, it's awesome to watch. I mean, to your point, Obi too. I thought played some pretty good defense in this game as well. And like, there's like so many potential defensive stalwarts on this team that, you know, it's, it's like, I, it's no wonder to me that they're starting to play a lot better defense for stretches right now, because I think there's just so much raw talent defensively on this team that no matter what, it was always going to sort of work out. Um, because like Sims is just too much, like too much hops, too much rebounding ability, too much athleticism to not be a good defender as long as he's got, you know, half a brain, you know what I mean? And he's clearly got a full brain and it's, it's really showing and, and he's learning stuff. It seems like it reminds me a lot of like Mitch's rookie year where we used yeah. to say like, wow, he literally learned that from last game to this game. And we just saw him do that a lot better this time around with like staying straight up and down and, you know, getting back to, where he's supposed to be on the court, not getting lost. Like there was times 10 games ago, even where we would have said like, Oh, Sims really got lost on that play, you know, and, and probably gave up a bucket just by being in the complete wrong spot. And it seems like he's always finding the right spot to be now. And, and that's all stuff that he's 
figured out just over the last like couple few whatever weeks here. Um, so the, the development from him is coming in leaps and bounds. And, you know, I, I still think that I'm more comfortable with Mitch going forward as like a potential starting option. But I think that if the Knicks do re up Mitch this coming summer and they have Sims to be able to come off the bench and then can sort of platoon those guys as necessary, depending on the matchup and what they specifically need out of the center spot to close any given game defensively. Like you're getting, I mean, we always joked about this with Tibbs, but like 48 minutes of rim protection, uh, 48 minutes of high level NBA rebounding and, you know, just 48 minutes of just absolute madmen defensively who can also jump out of the gym. And, you know, as, as Sim showed for the umpteenth time during this game, you know, a guy that can like put his whole head over the rim and, and dunk through alley-oops and have a really good time on that end too. Yeah, so, so he cleared out Drummond on that one play where like he yeah. just put his butt into him. That was, that was awesome. That was really good. Yeah. So uh great game from Sims. I, and the, the substitution pattern that I was mentioning was for whatever reason, Tibbs putting Taj in for the final two minutes of the first half. I literally, when I was at the game, cause like you can't, you don't have all the stats in front of you or whatever. And like, I didn't feel like checking my phone. And so I was like, Oh, is Sims like in foul trouble. And I just didn't realize it. No, Tibbs just felt like playing Taj Gibson for reasons unknown. And the Knicks went minus six for the last few minutes and they lost by three at the end of the game. Um, but I want to give props to Fournier. You know, I mentioned that. Yeah. I, I mentioned that, you know, it's not quite, I don't think it's quite like he was really hard on himself after the game and post game media and stuff was like, it was my fault. It was an easy pass to make. I should have made it. I'll say again, it's not his fault. It was not an easy pass to make. He got put in a situation where essentially he was defended on all four sides, two sides by the sideline, two sides by defenders. And that's the hardest possible place to have to make a pass from. But otherwise in this game, I thought that he was great. He was the only offense for the Knicks early on. And so they owe the fact they were even in this game to the fact that he was able to like claw them out of, I think they were down 13-2 or something early. Yeah, when they were down 11 nothing. he had like this like sick crossover into a step back. And it was like a yes. really tough shot. And I was, I was in my mind, I was like, oh boy, they really need, if that didn't go in, like things would have looked ugly. They really needed it. Yeah. And he provided a ton of that in the first half and looked really good. Carried over to the second half, which was good too, because a lot of times we see Fournier kind of go off early and then completely cool off late. Yeah. I thought he was playing well in the third quarter and, and down the stretch in the second half as well. So I really enjoyed the game from him. I, I think he definitely deserves some props for just having a really good Evan Fournier performance up until the end where he sort of got set up for failure, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I, man, I, I thought, I thought he was, he was just like a killer this game. Like, like the shots he were making were, were just, were just like, you'd look at that and like, you know, like you're playing in the playground. Someone's like, that was tough. Like, like that, that was my reaction to basically everything he did in this game. Like, like he had like this slick, like little, like step back in James Johnson's eye and then, and then did it again to Patty Mills and then had um, like the play where the shot clock buzzer was expiring. And he just sprints off his screen into the corner three with his feet, not even balanced. Like the dude is just, he, he's, he's an all world shooter. Like that, that's what he is. He's going to have nights like where the shots don't fall. That's true for Duncan Robinson. That's true for, I mean, JJ Redick when he was playing, like you, you look at all the, the, all the great shooting specialists and maybe people expected, I, I I'm guilty of that too. Expected for to be something more than that. Like, He's a little more than that. He's not much more than that, but he's great at that one thing. And on the right team in the right role, and I'm hoping next year that's him maybe coming off the bench as a sixth man. Uh, I think that is a, a super duper valuable player that will help the Knicks win basketball games. Uh, but Alex, any any final notes you wanted to get out there? I'll, I'll say for me, one one last like very little thing is I really want Deuce McBride to shoot the ball. Like he 
He had a play where he had a wide open three and passed it up to take two dribbles into a long two that he clanked. And to me, it just, it, it kind of like, I think it spoke to what we've seen from him these five or six games where defensively, obviously he, he doesn't have a fear in the world. He, he thinks he's the best defender on the court whenever he's out there, but on offense, it feels like he's a little reticent and it's, it's kind of surprising to me because he was, he was so aggressive and, and, and really fantastic when he got to play earlier this season. And I think it might be being a little bit gun shy thinking, Oh, I don't want to lose my rotation spot again. I work so hard to get back here. I, I, I torched the G league for however many weeks or months. Like I'm not, I'm not giving this up. I'm not going to take any stupid shots. I'm not going to stand out in a good way or a bad way. I'm just going to sort of be in the flow. And like, to your point, he makes some good passes. He keeps the ball moving, but the dude is a, is a pretty talented scorer. And the whole point of it is like, even, even if he has a night where he goes one for eight, one for nine, Knicks don't need to win games at this point in the season. It doesn't really matter. I'd, I'd, I'd much rather him shoot than even Alec Burks have a 20 point game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I would love to see Deuce shoot more. I'll just quickly shout out Evan Fournier's playmaking too. Yeah. Um, I actually thought this was probably his best playmaking game of the year. Found uh, Mitchell Robinson and, and Jericho Sims on lots of great looks. Had one that was just kind of like an extra pass to RJ Barrett, but some really impressive, you know, passes to find the centers uh, where he was basically at the three-point line and whipping these passes into them under the hoop for them to get these easy looks. Really enjoyed that. Um, I also shout out Obi Toppin, who returned, and I, I think I alluded to it earlier, but uh, eight points in eight minutes, three of five shooting, two of three from three. And I thought he should have played more. This was a game to go small again. And Tibbs with enough of a full battery of centers and stuff and, you know, having top and back, I guess, didn't feel the need to go small at all. And this is kind of the game for it, I think, when, you know, the Nets were running Nick Claxton out there as their biggest guy at times. That's the time when you go small and just try to run and, and you know, outpace them because the Nets kind of wanted to play more of a half-court game in this game by and large. So, I don't know. I mean, it was a great, great eight minutes from him, though. He had a really nice up-and-under layup and two three-pointers and then got pulled immediately because he dared have a corner three clang off the side of the backboard, which he then rebounded and tried to do something with again, but the shot clock was just too late. But, I mean... I, I don't know. It was I it, frustrating, you know, just that he played so well and Tibbs didn't give him more time because I don't think you could argue it was a conditioning thing because he looked pretty freaking spry. So I would have loved to have seen him play with Julius Randle and hopefully a son we get to see in the future, or maybe down the stretch of the season, though I'm not going to hold my breath. But great Obi Toppin game in his return. And I, I think that's probably my last note. Yeah, that, that double pump was sick. All right, on that happy note, and a shot looks smooth. On that happy note, uh, we will wrap up this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. A valiant effort for the Knicks. No victory, but very, very fun game. And I'm again, I'm, look, I'm, I'm for the first time all year, I'm looking forward to seeing this team play every night, which I haven't been able to say in a long time. But until next time, and we have, we have some great guests coming on this week. So I'm really, really excited for all of it. I hope you guys can check it out, both uh, in podcast form and in YouTube form. Until then, for Alex Wolf. Gavin Shaw. Peace out.